This episode is sponsored by Acuity, our software of choice. Acuity Scheduling is your online assistant working 24-7 to fill your schedule. No more phone tag. Clients can quickly view your real-time availability and self-book their own appointments and even pay online and reschedule with a click. Handle all of your forms before the appointment so you can get right to doing the massage you do best. Look and act professional by offering convenient scheduling to your clients that matches your brand and your voice. Customer support is a delight, and Acuity Style will help you relax and have fun running your business again. Check out the special 45-day free offer at massagebusinessblueprint.com acuity. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Massage Business Blueprint Podcast, where we help you attract more clients, make more money, and improve your quality of life. I am Alyssa Haynes. And I'm Michael Reynolds. And those are some bold statements we make at the beginning of every podcast. It is pretty bold. (laughs) We try every day to live up to them. (laughs) Well, I try like five out of seven days. Okay. Maybe, uh, maybe, Maybe half the time. Some of the time. Occasionally, we live up to them. <laughs> yes, sometimes. Sometimes. Thanks for listening, everybody. Things are already off the rails because I am the uh, you know primary intro host today because Michael's got a topic that he has diligently prepared for us. And I'll just note once again that Michael uh, makes fun of me when I over-prepare for a podcast, but he has roughly 57 bullet points ready to talk to you today. I count 56. I think, okay. I'm, uh, yeah. I think I'm a little under quota today. I'm just saying pot calling the kettle black. So, <laughs> Michael, what are you reading? What has caught your attention this week? Oh, I have something completely useless that I'm reading this week that uh, probably no one will care about except uh, my diehard Star Trek fan peeps out there. Um, so I am reading about Star Trek transporters and if they could ever exist in reality. I know, I know. You're on the edge of your seat, right? I need to say that I clicked on the link just now, and when the page opens up, it plays music. And it's I was, an autoplay video, which is it's, yeah, obviously a bad so thing. So warning everyone. Yeah. However, like, and I just had this moment of like, oh my gosh, what's happening to me? Because it's really, is there a way that we can rec- get that music into the podcast? Because I, <laughs> I don't, I don't, like, I'm guessing it's I probably only copyrighted. Heard. Yeah. yeah. So anyhow, y'all need to click on the link because it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Carry on, Michael. So I think a lot of people know I am a um, obsessive Star Trek fan. I love Star Trek. I think it's uh, one of the best sci-fi franchises ever created. I follow all the series, Love and Discovery, Love and Picard, the new series out there. So I know some of you peeps are with me out there. Anyway, so yeah, I love Star Trek. So anything that pops up on my newsfeed that is Star Trek related, I will click on it um, just like, you know, a, a mouse going after cheese. So anyway, so I was reading this one, and this is a, a video which, as Alyssa explained, plays some music for you, so get ready. It's got some, some cool music there. Um, but it's uh, by a scientist who is a consultant to Star Trek uh, in terms of like giving them scientific um, consultations to help them, help them provide um, information to help them with their um, scientific terminology and make it more realistic, et cetera, et cetera. So um, Dr. Aaron McDonald has a video explaining transporters and how they, in theory, could work in the Star Trek universe and why they could never work in reality. Um, or That's so she's very disappointing. I, well, I'm not giving up hope. But anyway, she explains that in Star Trek, transporters, it's really kind of murky on how they actually work. There's a camp where, you know, some people think, 
that transporters work by deconstructing your molecules and literally moving them through space to a different location and then reassembling them. Okay, that's one school of thought. The other school of thought is transporters disassemble your molecules, put them in the pattern buffer, and then send the pattern out to a location and then use raw organic matter to reconstruct and basically build a new version of you in the other location. And that was actually, um, that school of thought was kind of prompted by a Star Trek Next Generation episode where there were two Rikers because Riker was the original Riker and then the transporter created a second Riker as well. I remember so, that. I, I'm of the camp that it actually moves the molecules through space because my brain can handle that better. But anyway, it, it's a very controversial topic. Um, there's two schools of thought on that. So anyway, so... The uh, Dr. McDonald explains that there's something called the Heisenberg uncertainty principle that states that particle you can only know one thing at a time about a particle. You can only know where a particle is or how fast it's going at a given time. And you can't know both. And I have no idea why, because I'm not a scientist and she's like way smarter than I am. So I'm not going to try to explain it. But she says that that is the reason that you cannot actually have transporters because you would have to know both things about the particle in order to reconstruct the person at the other end. So her proposal here is that transporters could never actually exist because of the Heisenberg uncertainty principle that keeps that from actually happening. So she got, at the end of the video, however, she says that in one of the Star Trek episodes, they uh, reference something called the Heisenberg over or Heisenberg compensator, which sort of gets around that through some pseudoscience. So I'm holding out that someday we will have transporters when someone invents the Heisenberg uh, overcompensator or something. So anyway, that's, that's what I've been reading this week. Completely useless to anybody out there practicing massage, but hopefully someone appreciated it. That's okay because what I'm reading is entirely useful, but not at all exciting. Excellent. So I, we are, the we yin are and really, the yang. Yeah, we're polarizing each other here. Um, I have been reading two different things. One, my state massage regulations, and two, state tax codes. Oh, uh, pardon me while I wake myself up. Yeah, well, wait till I tell you about the tax code thing because it's going to blow your mind. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, just uh, somebody in Massachusetts messaged me. There had been a discussion in like a Facebook group for Massachusetts therapists and Somebody was looking for some of the state regulations and had trouble finding them on the website. And then it was interesting because I went to the website and could not find our actual full legislation and regulations. And I had to email my friend Greg, who found them immediately for me. And then I have bookmarked them since in my bar. So I will um, always have access to them, hopefully. And But it was just, uh, I had not read through them start to finish in probably two or three years. And there had been some small changes. So... Um, yeah, I read through all of my standards of practice and my individual licensure regulations and then my facility licensure regulations just start to finish. And there are one or two things I was like, oh, yeah, no, I need to remind people in my office of that. Like little things like when you have an inspection, like we had a surprise inspection a couple of months ago, that that form that the inspector fills out, your copy of it, you actually need to have in your office accessible, ideally with your other licenses that are posted so that the next time you have an inspection, they have a record of the previous one. Like that inspector knows who was there most recently. So um, like random things. But also I was reading state tax code because I found out yesterday, Michael, that uh, in Massachusetts, the state of Massachusetts does not allow a deduction for your supposed pre-tax contributions to your four your solo 401k when you're a sole proprietor. Really? Yep. They vary from federal code in that, let's say, 
rough estimate, okay, not, I'm really proud of myself. The $10,000 that I put into my solo 401k um, is deductible in my federal taxes, but is not deductible at my state taxes. It is um, not allowed in Massachusetts. Even with the traditional 401k, I will not be able to take a tax deduction. I will still be uh, subject to state income tax on that $10,000 that I put into my solo 401k as a sole proprietor which is very interesting. Now, it all works out because it's still, uh, you know, it's, it's still good for me to contribute to my retirement and like it's still good for me to like do all of that stuff and it lowers my federal taxes, but it does not lower my state taxes, which is, pro- and here's the, here's the catch here, which is probably why my previous accountant, when I said, what's the best option for me uh, for the next retirement vehicle, like I'm maxing out my IRA, what's the next retirement vehicle that's best for me? And he said a SEP. And I was like, okay. And then I looked into all of it and I uh, ended up choosing the solo 401k because it gives me a larger amount that I could, like I would have maxed out a SEP this year and not been able to to contribute as much as I wanted to. Also, there's not like a Roth option with a SEP, right? So right. anyhow, um, I chose the 401k, the solo 401k with Roth and a traditional option. And um, I did so like, but I, but I made that decision without, and I didn't run it by my tax guy after that to be like, so I chose this over a SEP. Is that cool? In which case he probably would have said, sure, but I need you to know that Massachusetts is not allowed to blah, blah, blah. Um, So anyhow, it came up in the middle of my tax prep (laughs) this year. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. So it may or may not guide my um, contributions for 2020. It may or may not guide me to become an S-corp. And depending on whatever, I think the bulk of my deductions, the bulk of my contributions moving forward are going to be in the Roth portion anyway, like uh, some changes are happening. So I don't know that it's going to matter that much. However, I did spend an hour or so yesterday reading my state tax code and it was really good to do. There was, it was actually very wasn't as complicated as I thought it was going to be. There was actually a really clear, clean chart that was like how Massachusetts treats various retirement options. And it, and it listed like same as federal, same as federal, same as federal, not allowed, and a couple other little things. So that's what I've been reading in the last week, my state massage regulations and my state tax codes. And um, it, was, it was illuminating and helpful and only good has come from it. And that's what I've been up to. I have never heard that. Is that uh, really know. unusual and unique just to Massachusetts or do other states do this? Because I've never heard that before. I have that same question and I was going to tell you to ask Kim. Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> well, Kim, Kim is our accountant for Blueprint and she is my new accountant and tax preparer for my, you know, my massage business and stuff. And mine. And yeah. yeah, and she shared it with me. And part of the reason I switched to Kim was because there was another little glitch with the Massachusetts thing uh, like a year or two ago that my initial CPA did not realize and Kim is the one who discovered it and ultimately ended up with me getting like $800 back on my taxes. And she kind of taught my Massachusetts guy. Um, and also like the Kim and Julian tax advantage, they have better price points. Like I was paying my, I love my old accountant, but he's kind of going boutique level with much higher pricing that is more appropriate for larger businesses. And I don't need the level of services they provide. So I made the switch and um, I'm so it's it's yeah and, and again that's part of why i switched because kim is like super proficient in like most states stuff um 
So anyhow, yeah, I, we should ask Kim that because that might guide some of your advising moving forward. Well, how about that? Um, or like inform it or at least send people to Kim for tax stuff when, you know, whatever. So hashtag thanks, Massachusetts. Yeah. So it's very interesting. And it's, it, I'm, I'm glad it all happened because the first thing I thought was when this, this regulation happened in 2008. So I was a business owner at the time, but I wasn't contributing to retirement very much at the time. So I... I wouldn't have been aware of this. And the first thing I thought was, I need to call my state legislators because what a way to kick small business owners in the teeth, huh? Like, what a way to discourage small business owners from contributing to their retirement to not let me... And am I getting double taxed on that money? Does that mean that because I'm taxed on that money that I'm putting into my 401k now, am I also going to be subject to state tax when I pull it out of that 401k? Like, I'm getting taxed twice on the same money? I don't know. It's weird. Anyhow, it was good to know. Very weird. I agree. So before we launch into our topic that Michael's in charge of, Michael, who's our sponsor? Oba! Yay, Jojoba! This episode is sponsored by Jojoba Company. I believe that massage therapists should only be using the highest quality products because our clients do deserve it, and I deserve it because I got my hands in it 20 hours a week, yo. I like Jojoba because it does not go rancid. It doesn't contain triglycerides like many products do, so it won't go bad. So you can leave it on your shelf for a while. It can get hot. It can get cold. And it won't get stanky, people. The Jojoba Company is the only company in the world that carries 100% pure, first-press quality Jojoba. Other companies will, like, squeeze the heck out of that Jojoba seed to get as much oil as they can, but the the oil is a little bit grosser. So, um, and again, it's not oil. I'm sorry. It is just Jojoba, which is actually a wax ester. So... You, my friends, can get 10% off the price of the product if you order through our link, massagebusinessblueprint.com slash jojoba. Again, that's 10% off uh, product on orders of $35 or more, massagebusinessblueprint.com slash jojoba. <gasps> Michael, dive in. Tell us what you're doing today. All right. We're going to talk about resource pages or pillar pages. Uh, specifically, these are SEO tools. SEO, again, stands for Search Engine Optimization. And it's a way to get found on Google. It's a way to get your massage business found when someone searches for things you do, searches for massage in your area or whatever your specialty is. Um, So we're going to talk about how to build a Google-friendly resource page for your massage business website. This has come up a lot in office hours recently, so I kind of wanted to turn this into a public um, kind of tutorial for our listeners because uh, a lot of times in office hours, they come to my office hours if they want to geek out about, you know, search engine optimization or, you know, stuff like that. And we talk a lot about, you know, this particular tool, and I've given a lot of kind of pointers to people about how to do this. And so it's a good topic, I think, to open up to the public and kind of share Um, kind of the run through of how it works. So what is a resource page? Um, So we're going to talk about this thing called a resource page. It's also called a pillar page. Some people call it even a skyscraper page. Um, All of these are meant to signify that this is a page or a section of your website that is meant to be um, the best possible, highest quality, um, most incredible resource in its topic or about his topic or surrounding the topic. And so the, the terms kind of allude to that. So, you know, resource page is sort of the most neutral term. It's just a resource page. You know, a pillar page or a skyscraper page is meant to kind of imply that it rises above all the other content out there. And so the reason we use terms like this, and I, when I say we, I mean people in the marketing industry, um, is that there's a lot of content out there. If you do any search, you're going to find a gazillion um, 
elements or pieces of content about any particular topic. There's just so much content out there. And so it's becoming more difficult to rise above and get noticed. So if you write a blog post on XYZ, you know, there are thousands of other blog posts about XYZ out there. And who's to say that yours will be found over anyone else's? And so, again, the idea is to make this a, a pillar or a skyscraper or a resource that rises above all other content because it's so much better. So what a lot of people are doing is they're, they're thinking, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to blog about stuff or I'm going to write content. And they kind of go to about 20%. You know, they, they pick a topic and they write an article about it. Maybe it's a thousand words. You know, they kind of scratch the surface, but so does everyone else. And so the idea behind a resource page is instead of going to like 10 or 20%, you go to like 90% or 100% in terms of how exhaustive and how detailed you can be about the topic. And many people, most people will not do that. Most websites do not have this type of content. And so the ones that do create this type of content tend to get better Google rankings and get found more on search engines. So that's what a resource page is. It's basically, it's a page. It's, some people will write a blog post and make that the resource page, but really um, it is meant to be a kind of an evergreen, ever-present section of your website. So um, how that's how, kind of how and why they work. They, they are meant to be in-depth. They're meant to be really long. Um, they're meant to be very exhaustive in terms of the topic you pick. So how do you... How do you pick a focus for your resource page? Well, you want to pick a topic that is very specific, uh, very detailed, very um, has a lot of uh, intricate nuances or details behind it, but it's very specific. You don't want to pick a resource page topic that is like, hey, how massage helps with pain. Like that's very surface, very generalized, um, not really a great candidate for a resource page but something very specific like, you know, how this type of massage, you know, affects blah, 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 specific thing, you know, that might be getting a little bit uh, more specific and might be a better candidate. So what are some characteristics of a great resource page? They're, as I mentioned before, they're really long. They're really in-depth. They're usually really long. We're talking like two, 3,000 words minimum, usually, with lots of other stuff on it. There's different types of content, typically. You're going to have text. You're going to have embedded videos. You're going to have links to lots of outside resources. You're going to have images. You're going to have lots of really clean formatting to break it up, lots of bullet points, lots of subheaders, lots of sections, charts, graphs, all sorts of things. I want to go back and emphasize the links to outside local resources because that's the thing most people forget. Um, a lot of people, when they're putting content on their website, they're very resistant to linking to outside resources because... They think, oh, I want to keep people on my website. I don't want to link them away from my website. Actually, it's counterproductive and counterintuitive. If the more you link to really high-quality, useful outside resources, the more Google likes the page you have on your website because it is so much more useful. So be, be liberal with linking out to resources, link to other you know, partners in your area, other healthcare providers, other resources, other publications. Other sources, even outside your area, just general national publications work great too. Link to anything that can enhance the context of your resource page because it will be more useful to the person reading it and therefore more useful in Google's eyes or search engines, um, quote, you know, artificial intelligence eyes. <laughs> All right, so it's also meant to be exhaustive. It's meant to be as much as you can possibly put into it to kind of answer every possible question. 
<clears throat> excuse me, it's also meant to be linked out from your main navigation. It's not meant to be necessarily, I mean, it can be a blog post, but the best resource pages are linked in your main navigation. You've got your, you know, your about page, your services page, your contact page. Maybe you've got a resources page and the resources page has subcategories that your resource pages are linked from. So you've got a whole resources section or tools in your website or something that, that links directly from your main navigation. Ideally, it's going to be very focused around your niche if you're niching or around an area you want to focus on. So I realize not everybody is niching or specializing. If you are, make this focused around your niche. If you're not, pick something that you really have um, an affinity toward or a passion toward or an inclination to do more of. So kind of lean towards something that you really are focused on as a massage therapist. So would I do so, something yeah. like, I'm just going to jump in with like an idea. So like, I'm uh, niched in like anxiety and stress and a lot of that is involved like with sleep issues. So could I do like a giant pillar page on how to get a better night's sleep? Absolutely. Or, okay. That is a great example. Okay. Yeah. Yay. Good, so I, good job me. Yeah. Good job you. So I picked an example that's actually around anxiety because I, I thought of you as a, as kind of an example, but sleep would be probably even a better example. Sleep is a great um, example of a resource page. You could write a resource page on sleep, on different sleep issues, on, you know, symptoms and treatments and what people say about it and, you know, all sorts of things around how to get better sleep. Oh man, like, and then I'm thinking of like a million of them, like tension headache and mm -hmm. uh, uh, jaw clenching. And then I was thinking mm -hmm. like um, for people who work like with like weekend athlete kind of light athlete or people like uh, patellofemoral yeah. syndrome and chondromalacia, like holy moly, I'm thinking of a million ideas. So yeah, okay, I'll yeah. calm down so you can go through your example. No, it's cool. I did an example on anxiety because again, I, I use, use kind of an example. We have some other people in our premium group that are focusing on anxiety. So I just kind of picked anxiety as a, a reasonable example to go from. So let's say you focus on people with anxiety. Um, I kind of picked a, a, an outline of how you might approach a resource page. Maybe you might title it something like uh, managing anxiety with a natural approach. Now caveat here, you know, obviously I, I would not, you know, want to make this, you know, shaming anybody that, you know, uses Western medicine or pharmaceuticals. It's not, not meant to be that kind of thing. It's meant to be, Hey, here is some information about if you want information about managing anxiety with a natural approach, here are some resources for you. So, you might start with talking about statistics related to anxiety. Again, think college research paper here. Now, not boring like college research paper, but exhaustive in the same way college research paper is. So talk first about maybe statistics related to anxiety. What are some general statistics that you can research and kind of pull out about how many people suffer from anxiety, how many people you know, are, are challenged by it, what are some of the statistics around it. Uh, make some charts, make some infographics, make it really interesting, bring the statistics to life. Next, talk about how anxiety is maybe manifested in different people. Talk about questions like, do I have anxiety? What are some self-assessments I can do to start a conversation? Um, discuss common treatments for anxiety. Link to lots of outside resources. Now, in those resources include massage, of course. Now, notice that you're not centering the entire resource page around massage because that's a little bit too self-serving and too obvious. The best resource pages will be neutral and objective and helpful and include what you do as an element in that resource page. So one example, again, would be discuss lots of common treatments for anxiety, link to a lot of outside resources about it, but include massage in that list. 
Um, also, give lots of local resources for supporting anxiety. You know, maybe t- link to you know therapists or counselors that you partner with, acupuncturists, yoga studios, support groups, any kind of local resources or practitioners that also practice around anxiety. That can be a great way to improve the usefulness and the value of this resource page. Again, we're not thinking competition. We're thinking, how can I serve the person with anxiety that is looking for information? That's the, the mode you want to be in. Uh, list of online resources for supporting anxiety. Again, not just local, but give you know, general online resources that you trust, that are credible. Um, embed videos with resources and support tools. Embedded video tends to be really useful in resource pages because, one, if you're doing it from YouTube, um, a lot of people feel this is not really proven definitively, but a lot of people are convinced that uh, embedding YouTube videos helps your search rankings because Google owns YouTube and gives favor to those videos. Also, it just breaks it up, makes it look more interesting. Some people like video as opposed to reading, and that's going to be helpful to people that would prefer to watch a video. Uh, make sure the video is closed captioned so the people with hearing impairments can still consume the content. Um, include calls to action throughout that allow people to schedule a massage. This is where you get to be self-serving. So the resource page is meant to be incredibly useful, incredibly high value, really constituent focused on your audience, but it's okay that maybe two or three times throughout the article, put a call to action that says, you know, hey, I specialize in working with people with anxiety, you know, click here to book a massage online in a few minutes, you know, have a call to action there that does encourage people if they want to, to book that massage. So that is kind of a general overview of how you might approach a resource page. There's no one size fits all, no right or wrong, but those are some elements that you can include. Again, uh, include as much information as possible, frequently asked questions, lots of links, lots of embedded content, lots of links to outside resources, lots of information that you can uh, convey about the topic. Um, the longer, the better, typically. Um, don't feel like you're going to make it too long. If it's, if it's 3,000 words, you're probably okay. If it's 4,000 words, it might be even better. So this is going to take a while to put together. This is not meant to be something you can do in a couple hours on your day off. This is going to be something that might take weeks to start to work on and put together and really build over time. But the good news is most other people are not going to spend the time and effort doing this, which is why it works. So what what do you do with it once it's done? So you've got your resource page done. It's put together. It's beautiful. You've launched on your website. So resource pages are not just for Google. They're also great for your clients and for your referral partners. So One thing I would do first is send your resource page to your local referral partners and ask them to link to it. Um, Some of them won't, but some of them might. They might say, oh, great, this is a really good resource for my clients with anxiety. Let me put it on my website. Let me link to it. Let me give it to them and maybe email out uh, an email newsletter about it or something. Share it on social media. Um, This is also something great to promote via social media advertising. So a lot of times we have questions in the office hours groups about hey, how do I use Facebook advertising? I don't really have great luck with it. I'm kind of struggling with it. And it's one thing to just promote your massage practice on Facebook and just try to you know, run ads to get people to book. That tends to be a little more expensive and the return or the, the effectiveness tends to be a little bit lower. But your resource page is a phenomenal candidate for promoting on social media advertising. The cost is going to be a bit lower because it's not necessarily a direct sales advertisement, it's a, a content-based advertisement, you're probably going to get higher click-through rate because it's going to be more interesting to people and it's going to bring more people to your website because people are, they tend to respond better to useful content than a sales ad. And so you can run just an evergreen 
constant ad driving people to this resource page, which you're going to feel good about because it's useful to them. You've made it so useful that you're actually providing a service to them by getting it in front of them. And so there's so many advantages to promoting a resource page on social media advertising over just a sales ad. So that is an overview of building a resource page. Um, it sounds probably a little bit intimidating. Um, it is a lot of work. It is hard to do. It takes a lot of time and effort, but it tends to really be more effective than most other kind of traditional search engine optimization techniques. Yeah, optimize your title tags, optimize the content on your site, you know, get some inbound links, all that stuff works. But this resource page concept can really do a lot to give you an extra edge over other sites um, related to, to massage therapy or in your area or their competitors. So that's kind of an overview. I'd love to hear maybe what I've left out that's not clear, Alyssa, or maybe what questions you have about it. It's also, it's really clear. I get it. I'm like, my mind is racing with like ideas of, uh, of like topic ideas. Like you could do like just this whole page on elbow stuff and include, if you feel like you can't come up with something that's long enough, you could totally do like, instead of doing one on tennis elbow and one on golfer's elbow, do an elbow page. Um, like, That'd be really interesting, and uh, it'd be a really great way to study yourself too. Like to, if you're like, you know what, I'm. We're coming into let's say golfer season, so we got a lot about. Uh, you know, I got a lot of clients who are trying to make you know, do their torso twist better. I I don't know the terminology because I don't have a lot of golfer clients, but um, you could do a whole page on uh, torso anatomy and golf swing. Like that'd be yeah. amazing if that's your target. That'd be really cool. Um, and yeah, just uh, it was really clear and my mind is racing with ideas for people. Nice. And you can do multiple resource pages, do two or three if you have different Heck topics yeah. you want to focus on. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, you know, I like the way you note about like, this isn't going to be something you knock out in one sitting, but schedule an hour for it every week. Like where you're, you do a little bit of studying and you make an outline and then you fill it in. And I mean, it'd be great to like embed self-care videos right into this. I, I was thinking that especially with like tennis elbow and golfer's elbow, you talk about the anatomy of it. Um, you talk about like what activities can aggravate and then you could do um, some video of self-care exercises. Like that'd be really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not long for the sake of being long. It becomes long because you make it so exhaustive and so in-depth. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's fascinating. You think about every conversation you've ever had with a client about that particular topic and make notes and you're going to find common themes. And uh, that's really cool. Yeah, it really I works. Like it. Yeah. In a different industry, I've got a friend who's a travel agent and, <clears throat> excuse me, the, uh, the travel agent industry is full of people that have no idea how to market themselves. <laughs> and so it's kind of like, um, I hate to say this term, but low-hanging fruit, so to speak, to use a businessy term, which is yucky, I know, but um, it's really, so she is, um, uh, she's in the marketing space, and she launched a travel agency about a year ago, and she built a resource page all about booking a Disney vacation, and she gets tons of leads about people looking for Disney vacation advice because they found her resource page when they're looking for Disney information, and so her resource page is bringing her to the top in all these Disney searches, and it works really well, so like this really does work, and there's so many different examples, and um, I think in the massage therapy profession as well, you know, a lot of people struggle with figuring out how to get found on Google, and so 
you know, those of you who want to tackle this resource page idea, I'm pretty convinced you're going to see some some good results from it. Word. All yeah. right. So that's what and I got. Who's our, yeah, that's, I don't have anything else to say because you covered it so clearly. Right on. Um, except I've got a ton of ideas, people. Um, <laughs> also, my knee hurts. So if somebody could write that page on Contra Malaysia, that'd be great. Um, so... <laughs> Um, my knees always hurt, but that's because I'm yay, old. <laughs> yay. Um, who's our next sponsor, Michael? Our friends over at Yo Massage. Yay, Yo Massage. Yo Massage combines restorative stretching massage and mindfulness in a small group setting. And they have a handful of in-person trainings in 2020. We're talking Asheville, Chicago, Portland, a couple others. And virtual trainings, if you're not into travel, uh, begin the first Monday of each month. Space is limited in both in-person and virtual trainings, but you, my friends, can get $50 off just for our Blueprint listeners using the code BLUEPRINT, one word, all caps, $50 off for our listeners. People, here's a testimonial. Catherine and Tiffany do an amazing job at distilling potentially complex info into concrete pieces so that people can actually learn it and do it. I feel this. I'm just going to subjective here. I, uh, I have walked out of classes feeling like that was a great class, but I don't know how I'm going to do any of this. Like, it's, and, and you, Yo Massage teaches you how to actually do it. Back to the testimonial here. I'm so impressed with all the additional support and resources offered by Yo Massage. It's really equipping therapists to take hold and carry it forward. Yo Massage offers a new angle from which to work with humans and their needs literally and figuratively. You, my friends, can go to massagebusinessblueprint.com slash Yo Massage to learn more. And remember, you can get $50 off by using the code BLUEPRINT, all cap, one word. Yay. What's next, Michael? Uh, quick tip time. I think you have a quick tip today. I do I not. I so do. Let's and hear I'm, it. I, I am following up on an old quick tip by Michael, which is that I have set up my Microsoft to-do list. Oh, what do you think? Um, I like it. I like the old wonder list. Um, yeah. And yeah. I used it for quite a while, but I kind of got into a phase where I needed less tech in my life and I minimized everything. And I think I also like got a new computer and it didn't download properly and then I gave up. Um, so <laughs> what I've learned, and I use a bullet journal and I love my bullet journal and I'm not giving it up. What I've learned, however, is that my bullet journal is much better for like idealists and um, personal stuff and like random notes where, but it wasn't functioning as well as I needed it to for a to-do list um, for my business stuff. So I set up, um, I kept it very simple. I set up two lists. I have my massage practice to-do list and my blueprint to-do list. And, um, and I put a couple of things in there, like previously mentioned, mentioned Condor Malaysia. I need to be doing knee exercises every day. So, um, yeah, I got that set up. I got it on my my computer and I got it on my phone and uh, I feel good about it. Like today, the first thing I did this morning was like slide today's tasks into the my day. So I have that as my primary view and um, I need to do a tutorial or two because I know there's some features that I'm not using yet, but um, it's really, it helped me organize like some of our writing deadlines for Blueprint and um, a couple of other projects I have to do. And I feel really good about having it set up. So nice. that is a follow-up on a quick tip. I took Michael's advice. I feel good about it. I'll report back in a couple months. Awesome. Glad you like it. Yeah. I was pleasantly pleased with how well it worked as a replacement. Yeah, even though it's a Microsoft product. Who knew? No, who knew? <laughs> yeah, so people, everyone. 
everyone, listeners, if you have found this podcast helpful, we would love for you to write a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Google Play or wherever you're listening to podcasts. We would love to hear if we're helpful. And uh, what else did I want to say? Oh, if you have a topic that you want us to cover, if you have a quick tip that you want us to share with the world, you should send it to us at podcast.massagebusinessblueprint.com. And that's pretty much all the stuff I have to say, right, Michael? I think you nailed it. Excellent. Thanks for joining us. Feel good. Send us your ideas and such. And everybody have a super productive, helpful, and lucrative day. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.